Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are getting into the world of uh, telecoms, uh, specifically the world of undersea cables and uh, you know, telecoms infrastructure. And we are joined by probably one of the continent's largest players in, in that particular space, uh, that is Seacom. And uh, to lead us through today's you know discussion, we are joined by Seacom's uh, group CEO, uh, that is Alpheus Mangale, who is, uh, you know, about just almost a year, you know, into the job. And we're just going to be getting a sense of the strategy that the company is using and uh, how things have been at the business. I am at their offices in Johannesburg. You know, it's a very, I always like coming to technology companies, uh, you know, just to see how things things are happening and operating. And it's giving me the technology vibe. So <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just admiring the, um, you know, the entrance system, you know, that is used, how doors open and close. And I was like, okay, cool. Yes, I am at a, I am at a technology the right company. Place. I'm at the right place. So um, good morning. Uh, Alfius, how are you? Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you. Maybe a good place for us to start is getting to know a little bit about you and CECOM. Uh, but I'm going to start with CECOM first so that people yeah. understand because I mentioned a bunch of things at the beginning. I mentioned infrastructure. I said undersea, um, you know, and I said you guys are probably one of the biggest players on the continent. Maybe you could give us a sense of, you know, what is this operation uh, that you are heading? What does it look like at the moment? Sure. Good morning, Mdua. Thank you again for coming through to us. Um, you know, when you talk about tech, it's quite interesting because you can't avoid tech. Everywhere you go now, tech is everywhere. Um, yeah. Whether you're at the boom gate or you're at the main entrance or... Uh, we're using tech to record this. I mean, yes. tech is... In fact, it's quite interesting to say probably tech has, uh, to some extent, have taken over our lives. Yeah. Because we have to, to manage the... Um, the gray, gray area in the, in the middle, right? Seacom, yeah. I mean, uh, very exciting to be at Seacom right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, like you said, it's my ninth month now at Seacom. Uh, I joined last year uh, around about April, yeah. uh, and it's been an exciting journey. In fact, I was actually reflecting about uh, when Seacom uh, was founded back in 2009. I was actually part of that um, journey. Uh, in my other role, I was a dad at the time, yeah. and uh, one of the founders of Sikum was Andile Ngaba, who I think you know extremely well. Um, and uh, him, together with a number of other investors, founded uh, Sikum oh, wow. uh, in 2009. If I remember going to one of the cable landing stations, uh, this was back at uh, in Kezaden, a place called Mtunzini. That's where we actually land the cable in yes, South Africa. Yes, yes, yes. I attended that session. At that time, I was actually the group technology officer for Dimension Data yeah. uh, at the time. And kind of fast forward the clock, guess where I am now? Yeah. <laughs> I find myself coming back again at Sikum. So it feels like home to me yeah. uh, and all of that. So quite excited about being here. Um, and, and maybe more so around, if I look at when uh, Sikum was founded 2009, and what has happened in the telecoms market and ICT market in Africa, and if it wasn't for SICOM, in my view, uh, a lot of advancements that we see in the market, specifically in South Africa and Africa, wouldn't have been possible. Um, and, and that's one of the things that excited me about coming here. SICOM was disruptive when that happened. 
they drove the digital evolution of Africa when it founded. And now we are no, we're now in the next cycle. The next cycle is about how do we now make sure that we actually continue to drive that uh, digital agenda for the rest of the continent, not only in the east part of the continent, but also across the entire uh, African continent as a whole. So that's exciting for me. Uh, yeah. And to be at the helm of, of leading that is actually quite a privilege. Yeah. So on this platform, we've been talking to a, a number of players, um, you know, in the in the space. Uh, we had a very interesting discussion with the head of uh, technology, media and telecoms, you know, over at Standard Bank, um, you know, Kumbi, you know, talking about where we are in the infrastructure, telecoms infrastructure um, investment cycle. Uh, we've spoken to satellite players, we've spoken to fiber players, we've spoken to the mobile guys. Um, you guys play a key, you know, key role because um, you guys basically connect, you know, international traffic. Uh, to to South Africa, you allow for that backbone, you know, to connect South Africa to the rest of the world. And there's a lot that's going on. I'm looking at, um, you know, the the action, you know, when it comes to the fiber race uh, right now, you know, I think uh, Liquid and MTN have set themselves a little bit of a race to see who can cover the most continent in fiber. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of discussions around satellite where you guys are right now as Seacom, where do you see yourselves? Because obviously in the beginning, it was about providing that backbone, you know, making sure you have that infrastructure in place. But now that all of that is in place, what is the mode that we're in? Are we in a maintenance? Are we in a expansion? Where, where are we? Yeah, it's actually quite exciting to be. I'm doing, in my view, I can talk to you about the whole day about that subject <laughs> alone, but it's quite a, a good topic to discuss. So, let me start by, I think there may be a couple of areas when you talk about infrastructure, right? Yeah. Uh, the first one is um, undersea. So undersea infrastructure, we, where Sikum was founded, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Then we talk about long-distance fiber, which is you land all of this capacity in all of this, what we call CLS, which are cable landing stations, but that capacity stops there. How do you then bring it to the rest of the continent uh, and yeah. all of that? That's where long-distance fiber comes in from effectively connecting that huge capacity into cities, towns, and all of that. That's another play. The other play is then connecting uh, you and I, uh, which is our ability to be able to access internet via uh, mobile devices or any of the devices that we use. But again, all, all of those, again, going back to the international capacity that links us to the rest of the world. So let me start with the where we play. Um, and also just clarify a bit, because I think when we launched in 2009, what we did was undersea cable provision. Yeah. But we've grown bigger than that. We are a lot more bigger than that, and I'll come back to that point. Yeah. So if you look at what is happening around undersea as a subject, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the, the undersea cable rollout, you know, we started laying our cable, uh, SICOM 2009. But since then, the capacity across Africa is absolutely immense. Mm. You've seen uh, Google and the consortium members coming up with Equiano on, uh, on the west coast of Africa. We're part of that as well. That is lighting up about 144 uh, terabit of uh, capacity on the west coast. You've seen two Africa uh, across the entire, you know, across the entire continent, again, lighting up another 180 terabit of traffic. And you also see other undersea players um, are doing the same. And if you ask me, one would argue you've got now abundance of capacity. My view is absolutely not. Maybe for the time being, maybe for the next five or ten years. 
And why I say that is that capacity is landing on the shores of this wonderful continent called Africa, but that capacity is not yet getting into all the countries that are landlocked in Africa. So I would argue a lot of what we consume, the content that we consume today in Africa is content that is created outside. Yeah. So consuming content out of maybe the likes of uh, you know, social media without mentioning the names, all the social media platform. Majority of it, this traffic would come from Europe, the US and the rest of the world. But if you then think about it, imagine the world when Africans start creating their content. Imagine a landlocked country such as DRC, all of these landlocked countries that are not benefiting from maybe this abundance of capacity, start creating content. Yeah. All of a sudden that capacity being created on the sea becomes obviously not, not enough. So I expect uh, to see a lot of that capacity being actually rolled out in the future. So you're seeing Equiano, you're seeing Two Africa, do I expect more? Absolutely. Okay. Are you also going to see us as SICOM doing more of that space? Absolutely. We're going to be partnering with other players in the market to be able to look at where can we obviously take that capacity uh, even forward. So I think there's good activities happening, probably maybe enough at this stage, but I continue to see a lot of traction going forward in that. The next part is then this capacity now surrounding Africa. How do you get it to Limpopo? How do you get it to uh, a city in the middle of Central Africa? So that's where you will see us also and a number of other players will do the same. It's actually connecting now this capacity to all the cities and towns so that we can enable communication. So that it doesn't really help to terminate 180 terabit uh, capacity in the shores of KZN, but that capacity is not available to an SME uh, or you and I starting a business or any enterprise customer doing all of that stuff. You need to get it to us. So you will see a lot of that long distance fiber being rolled out. We're doing that as well. We also participating on a number of programs where we're partnering other people yeah. uh, because there's smarter ways to build capacity now rather than just go and deploy alone and then obviously be locked into those long uh, term retains and long capex projects you can share that yeah. together with other, with other people because everybody wants to get to the same destination mm -hmm. so if you can co-build share the infrastructure and then also share the management of it those investments that somewhat you would have actually duplicated the capacity could be actually build other strategic routes. Yeah. So it's in my view that you, you will see a lot of capacity now being built, connecting cities, towns, countries across Africa. And NCCOM is playing a role in doing that. If you look at our work that we're doing in East Africa. We'll yeah, I was about that. to say, yeah. I remember you guys yeah. had a deal yeah. uh, recently where you bought... Uh, an inland uh, fiber provider in East Africa. Yeah, we bought a company called Hirani, yeah. um, and we also acquired also assets in Uganda as well, yeah. uh, fiber assets in Uganda. And we want to continue to look for those opportunities where we can look at a player in the market that has got very good reach of uh, fiber capacity, where we can then extend that reach and connect it back and uh, back again into the the undersea capacity to connect the countries and the and the towns. So we still see that happening. Then if you then bring in the mobile players with 5G now becoming more and more ubiquitous, how do you connect you and I via 5G, which is the small cell technology that allows us to be able to get unprecedented speed? Again, going back into the fiber infrastructure that is long distance, from long distance into the international capacity that goes out into the continent. So I still see a lot of that happening. Maybe if I wear the head of South Africa just for a second, is South Africa we do have to some extent maybe abundance of fiber infrastructure that's available to us. Mm -hmm. You have fiber assets that sit with maybe 
um, our government. We also had fiber asset that is with private companies. So, and I would say if you look at the fiber maturity across the continent, South Africa is one of the leading players. Yeah. So I do expect to see maybe a bit of consolidation in the market around that. Yeah. And I also expect um, strategic investment in pockets that are not covered by fiber. But in the rest of the continent, in East Africa, in part of the West, there's still fiber that needs to be rolled out. And uh, you'll still continue to see a lot of people deploying that as well. So when it comes to, I guess, the right mix, as far as you can see, um, obviously the, the element of backhaul is something that you, you're quite, um, you know, firm um, as a strategy point to say, you know, if it's long distance fiber, if it's the undersea, we will be, you know, part of, we will be part of, uh, part of that discussion. I guess for me, the question is how, how close to the consumer, to the business, uh, are you looking to get or do you continue to, you know, to be, you know, more on the back hole side? Actually, great question, which is why I alluded to says we've grown beyond being the SICOM maybe when we launched in 2009. So when you look at SICOM today, we're not just an infrastructure company. Yeah. We actually got two parts of our business. One part is the infrastructure company that sells capacity to a number of our strategic partners being content providers. Um, uh, and all the hyperscalers, they are SICOM partners, right? Uh, and other, uh, other service providers are also SICOM partners. So we sell infrastructure and capacity to those uh, as wholesaler. And then another part of our business as well we've been accelerating is really servicing the enterprise market. Um, we acquired a company in and, uh, 2022 uh, out of the EOH table. Uh, they had a very strategic asset called EOH Managed Services at that time. We acquired that capability, and we have now folded that into Sikum. Yeah, I remember that deal. You remember the deal, right? So that is really, and that is purposeful. So we believe that also the growth is going to come into this enterprise space. So today we service uh, uh, wholesale players and strategic partners that are content providers. On the other side, we actually service enterprise customers. So the retailers in South Africa, some of the banks in South Africa, some of the SMEs in South Africa actually run on our network, and we do that. Uh, through a managed services type approach. So, and in that context, we will partner with the likes of uh, DFA, the likes of Frog Food, a number of last mile providers to provide connectivity onto our backbone in South Africa right, so that we can connect uh, perhaps the retail footprint of the, uh, of the um, organization that we service, yeah. as well as uh, any of those uh, SME players that are in that space. So, if you then look at SICOM today, we see growth in the infrastructure business, which is a traditional what I call bread and butter, one of the leaders in the space. Yeah. We also see SICOM as an emerging player, as an emerging managed services player in the whole ICT stack. And where we offer services of managed communication, managed unified communication, cloud services, yeah. cyber, and so on and so forth. And we are, would like to believe we're a disruptor in that space. Um, in fact, uh, we're taking our game and our value proposition to customers uh, that are in the enterprise space across South Africa and the rest of our uh, operations where we operate today. It sounds like uh, you you probably um, this this is putting your, your your probably your experience at a place like dimension data to good use. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean that's why I said it was quite interesting. You know when I when I came into Sequoia, I said, oh, hang on. I never thought I would be back uh, at Sequoia, but I'm actually back at, at I'm, I'm here at Sequoia probably at an opportune time. Uh, I can tap onto my knowledge and experience that I've obviously acquired, not only at data. I mean, I spent quite a lot of time 
uh, with our data, not only in South Africa, but across the uh, across, uh, Middle East and Africa, as well as in Europe. My experience at MTN, uh, and also my recent experience as a customer, you know, uh, now I can actually, when I go into uh, a customer engagement, talking to CIO, I can actually relate to the type of challenges and the problems they're dealing with. Yeah. So rather than becoming a sales job, it becomes like, what can, how can SICOM be part of the solution, the problems that you're trying to solve? So we don't take a group of products and, and say we're taking them to a CIO or a client. We go there and listen to what their challenges are, what are the needs of their customers and their customers, and then come back and say, what can we take out of the SICOM's table? And not only that, but who else can we partner to complete that piece of the puzzle and then take that forward? So I think it's been quite an opportunity uh, for me and then to kind of come bring with that experience yes, SICOM is quite, quite good, but also leveraging the experience of the wider uh, SICOM group. We've got uh, excellent leaders here. We've got people that wake up every morning in all parts of our operations that are really, really good at what they do. And uh, that's testament to, especially in the enterprise space, is testament to all the new logos that over the last year we've been able to bring into SICOM. Some of the logos that you would think that, oh, that logo maybe would typically go to a traditional system integrator or traditional ICT player, but they're actually seeing that SICOM uh, provides capability and, uh, and solves the problems that they're trying to, uh, to solve in their organization. So that's quite exciting. Okay. Um, I'm, very, I'm then interested to understand um, what's your relationship then like with the, the funders? or the lending community or investors. And I ask that because um, right now this seems to, at least from you know where someone like me sits, there appears to be a lot of excitement um, around you know telecoms mm -hmm. infrastructure as a whole. Um, we we've noted you know the amounts of money that the likes of RMB and Standard Bank mm -hmm. have been you know putting together for I think big deals that have happened in the last couple of years Metro Fiber Octotel um, and I think Massive you know received you know something big um, yourselves in Liquid I think IFC you know has been um, you know a big uh, you know a big one there. Um, but my question is just more around the fact that um, you have that legacy of yeah. being the, you know, a, a backhaul, you know, uh, a, a backhaul company, an undersea cable company, but now there's this evolution, yes. you know, that's happening. Does that change in any way mm -hmm. the relationship that you then have with the people that are backing you? That's, the, that's you know, what I wanted to maybe sure. get, yeah. No, I can clarify that. In fact, We'll continue to have extremely good relationship with the with the funders. In fact, if you take two, uh, like I said, SICOM has evolved to be have now two parts of the organization, yeah. the infrastructure organization and then obviously the services organization. Let me unpack the infrastructure organization. The infrastructure organization typically will grow through deployment of large capex projects. You know, when you roll out fiber, yeah. we roll out any infrastructure, whether it's last mile connectivity that we connect our customers onto, we need capex to do that. And that's where they the funding uh, with the likes of IFC and many other uh, players that we'll have in the future will come to play. We'll continue to develop strategic infrastructure in strategic routes across Africa. Yeah. And also, very, very importantly, one of our growth strategy is to actually grow, grow via acquisition. We obviously need funding to be able to go and acquire these assets, strategic assets in each of these markets that we want to be in. So we see the role of funders and uh, that to be quite prevalent in that context. And hence, our, the deal that we announced last year as I joined, uh, we concluded a transaction with IFC 
that allows us to do that. It allows us to be able to take that funding and actually drive our business appropriately right now. Second, it also allows us to be able to accelerate the development agenda for SICOM in Africa, yeah. either through acquisitions or through organic growth or through build out of strategic infrastructure in the countries that we operate in. That will continue to do that in part of our infrastructure. And I don't see that stopping because if you want to be a leader in the infrastructure play, you have to strategically deploy infrastructure where customers actually need it best yeah. and get that closer to the people that can use it. SICOM will still continue to play a leading role in doing that and the role of our funders are actually absolutely critical. And I continue to meet with them quite regularly uh, around that. And also still in the same space, I expect there will be quite some market consolidation. I think there's rumblings of a number of them right now. I expect there will be consolidation in that space. Yeah. Um, infrastructure players, you can't really afford to have five or six players doing trying to do the same thing. You also, it's not a good use of uh, deployment of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, capital if you're duplicating infrastructure. Yeah. So I think I expect to see consolidation and some of the funders, I expect them to be involved in that consolidation. Certainly in South Africa, I'm expecting it to happen yeah. and I'm also expecting it to happen in parts of Africa. Yeah. So that's one part. Other part of our business, which is services, it's actually quite exciting But that part of the, the, of the, of the business. It's, um, I call it CapEx light. We don't need to go and deploy a large amount of capex to be able to deploy a cloud solution or a service solution and the like. We typically would deploy the, those type of capex strategically when we want to obviously solve customer problems. So that type of business is primarily very capex light, solution driven. Uh, it is a bit people intensive, but it is very light on capex. And and we we're seeing where those strategic funders will come into play because part of our our, our growth strategy is through acquisition. Yeah. We expect that we're going to be looking at assets in the market, both in South Africa, yeah. like we did with EOH, yeah. and also in East Africa and parts of West Africa where we want to grow, where we'll tap into those funding requirements to be able to grow our footprint appropriately. Yeah. So I still expect that, but not as capex intensive as you would, you would argue the infrastructure businesses is uh, today. Does that it, make sense? Yeah, it does yeah. make it. Mm. It makes a lot of sense, um, you know, and especially. I guess the evolution, uh, the evolution piece, um, because I see th there've been a lot of rumblings, you know, uh, mm -hmm. over the, what you call this, um, you know, over the years, I remember at the end of last year, um, there was a big thing that happened in Europe. I think 20 of the mobile operators came together. They wrote a letter. We want, um, you know, over the top players to also be paying for, you know the infrastructure and all that mm -hmm. so it's been quite interesting to see how infrastructure players are also now evolving their own businesses mm -hmm. you know to provide their own you know uh services above their own infrastructure because right. back in the day you'd uh i think i've heard people using the term dump pipes dump pipes and, <laughs> dump pipes and plumbing yeah yeah, yeah dump pipes <laughs> and plumbing. You'd, you, yeah. you'd have that yeah. in the market mm. but now you see this evolution where a lot of the infrastructure guys are like okay fine we've mm. got the infrastructure instead of letting the over the top guys you know continue just using our stuff yes they'll do that but we also want to play you know, you know, on that. So it's been an interesting evolution. Yeah, and and we're not too dissimilar. To be quite uh, uh, honest, I'm doing is we we realize the value that our infrastructure creates in the continent. Mm. We also realize the value that once you have the infrastructure, call it the plumbing, call it the downpipes or downpipes, whatever you like. 
But those dump pipes actually enable strategic uh, activities that happen across that infrastructure. And I think maybe in, in the past, infrastructure players only saw themselves as just the providers of the infrastructure. Yeah. They kind of maybe self-excluded themselves away from actually putting the sexy things on top, right? Yeah. And, and I don't think it's, it's an either or. You can do both. Yeah. It's just how you structure the organization to be able to do that. But also at the same time protecting, because in this other side, like for instance, when I talk about services play, you will be competing with players that could possibly be buying infrastructure from you around that. How do you also give them comfort that you're not advantaging your own internal services play? Yes. So that's very, very important. So, and we're quite mindful of that. And we're very aware that obviously there needs to be stronger Chinese walls between the service organization that competes in the market with a, a potential wholesale partner that we have on this side. And those models are evolving. They've been around. And I think in Africa, we have an opportunity to also not repeat the same mistakes that were made by the, uh, the telcos in Europe and the U.S. and all of that. We can do things differently here. You know, I also want to dismiss this uh, uh, thing that you know, it's quite interesting. People talk about cloud, and it's, it's interesting we haven't touched on cloud yet, but people talk about cloud. And you talk about cloud, people immediately look up in the sky, right? It's quite interesting. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and people forget that actually cloud, it's actually enabled by the submarine cables, right? Is, is we talk about cloud and we look up, and actually, in actual fact, when you access all social media content, you do communication across the world, all of these things are linked by undersea cable. If it wasn't for undersea cables infrastructure, Actually, cloud will not happen today and, and all of that stuff. So, again, if we are providing undersea cable, why would we, should we be excluded in playing in the cloud market? Yeah. And SICOM is doing both right today because we can enable both. We are enabling the cloud hyperscalers yeah. uh, so that they can provide all their cloud applications and create marketplaces through our infrastructure on the ground. But at the same time, we're also helping our enterprise customers drive value from those cloud solutions that happen to run on our infrastructure. So it's not either or. We can do both. But what becomes very, very important is to make sure that you can give comfort uh, to your wholesale partners and your, your partners on this, in, on this side of the infrastructure that you are not deliberately enabling your internal organization to win against them in the market. Mm -hmm. So we are quite mindful of that and we structured appropriately to make sure that doesn't happen. I like yeah. the fact that you you've brought up uh, what you call it, that you've brought up cloud yeah. because once again you know when you're thinking mm. about the stacks and the layers mm. yeah. uh, that people are adding to to their businesses out there, how's your appetite when it comes to either data centers? Some of the private players are operating internet exchanges. Mm. You know they're the edge centers. You know that type of thing. Are you interested mm. in any of that part of the market, or mm. would you rather just maybe partner and leave it to the specialist. Very interesting question, Diosh. <laughs> you ask why I'm actually smiling. You know, I was reflecting with my team to say, if it wasn't for SICUM, just think about it. If it wasn't for SICUM and the foresight that we had in 2009, we laid the first cable infrastructure, certainly on the east coast of uh, Africa, a lot of these data center companies don't exist. This is the role that we played. This role that we played around really connecting Africa to this digital revolution. If it wasn't for that, this data center, your access to that data and all of that will not be, will not be available. If you look at South Africa, we rolled out um, uh, long distance fiber connecting 
uh, all the cable lending stations back into where the data centers are. Yeah. Right. I won't mention the company names, but a number of big company brands today that exist in South Africa. Yeah. If we won the clock 10 years back, 11 years back, or 14 years back, these companies will not exist uh, if SICOM didn't actually lay that first cable because access to that data from the data center would be quite yeah. a challenge. So we played a role in do that. It was a deliberate strategy. Do we see ourselves building massive data centers and the like? No, we don't see ourselves doing that. What we do see ourselves doing is partnering with them yeah. to actually bring those data center capabilities a lot closer to the enterprise customers as well as uh, to you and I as normal consumers. Where we do see ourselves playing a role in the data centers, and, and strategically, we, I mean, if you just look at our cable on the east coast of Africa, yeah. we have a landing station in, uh, in KZN, we have a landing station in Mozambique, landing station in, um, in Dar, we have a landing station in, uh, in Mombasa, and then so on and so forth, right? Where we're looking at investing our dollars is actually modernizing those landing stations to become what we call edge data centers, yeah. where we can take off the load from these big hyperscalers as well as the big data center players so that they can, they can play a complementary role in driving the strategy further. Are we going to go and roll out big, massive data centers? Uh, no, we don't see that as our game, but we see ourselves as providing connectivity yeah. and then also take the, the, some of the burden of the primary data centers into what are called this edge data center. Because edge computing is going to become a, yeah. a reality, and we're quite excited about that. So part of our, our campus deployment is going to be strategically targeted at doing that. And then making sure that we provide a security layer uh, over that so they, the people that have got big data centers can also trust that our SICOM follow the same type of security standards in the way we build our data centers from on the edge, mm. right? And that's another market on its own. I don't think there's enough happening in that space. Yeah. And uh, I think watch the space. We'll probably image one of the leaders in the space. Now, certainly looking for it, forward to it. And I think that's where we can end off. Um, you know, today's session, um, because as you're talking, one of the things that I've been interested to see in the uh, in this discussion around data centers is what is going to what's going to be the the prevent model, especially mm -hmm. as people have all types of discussions about data sovereignty and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. um, because you. You ideally want to bring the data, you bring some of this capability as close to the enterprise or close to the consumer as possible. So I've, 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 I've been wondering like what ends up being the most efficient model, right? Mm. So for example, um, in South, if we use South Africa as an example, mm. what, what, what ends up defining an edge? Mm. Is it mm. a provincial edge? Yeah, is exactly. it a city edge? Yeah. Is it a mm. no in Bryanston? We have a we have a small uh, we have a small center in 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 Bryanston that's just servicing this area, making mm. sure whether it's caching services or anything mm. like that, just to you know make sure you bring some of this stuff as 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 close as possible. Is it mm. literally an enterprise? You know, mm. type edge like a mine, for example. Correct. Right. Mm. If if you're a mine, you bring your just have something you know there. Uh, especially if you're in an out, outlying area, for example, do you right. bring some capability? So I've always been interested to to know how that you know is going to evolve, how yeah. that is going to evolve. And in that same spirit, where I wanted to end the conversation is to get your sense of you guys are a Pan African player, absolutely, but you have been focusing 
a lot of your activity has been on the east coast uh, obviously participating on the west and all that um looking at you've been making deals in east africa how are you feeling about uh, you know your footprint geographically absolutely that's a great question by the way let me just weigh in quickly on the discussion around <laughs> yes. the edge at, at data centers where did you find yeah. uh the the endpoints and all of that it's quite interesting in fact kind of kind of tapping into my previous role um, that I did three years at Standard Bank as a CIO is unfortunately we there's a misconception about data uh, and you have to classify data. The minute you start classifying data, you then then realize which data is sensitive, which data can be quite frankly be stored anywhere, uh, and then not have this maybe myopic view that says actually all the data needs to be reside here. Yeah. That's the one aspect. The second aspect is also about where do you need the processing to happen. Certain applications need very, very fast processing. Certain applications can, quite frankly, can take a while uh, to process whatever information you're looking for. That strategy will then determine, determine where you actually place your data engines. So if you need fast processing, it needs to be there and all of that, which means distance to that becomes very critical, right? So where that's edge computing then helps. It takes the load from having to send your data and then sending it somewhere else across the world so that you can do processing and send back the answer. If it's within the edge of your infrastructure, even better, you can make quick decisions. But other data is can be hosted anyway. The other data is not sensitive, you know, all the other stuff. So so we need to classify the data and then say, okay, what makes sense to actually run what processing where to suit the organization needs. My view of the edge, edge will be everywhere. You have these main centers, then you have edge everywhere. And in the edge, it's almost like the 5G 5G macro cells, right? You will expect to see 5G macro cells everywhere. Why don't you have the same concept about data center? Why should you go to a location which is there? Why can't you have ubiquitous data centers that handle different loads, depending on what what it is that you're trying to do? Now, when you're having a a banking transaction, it's real time. You don't want to send that transaction with latency and it comes back after 400 milliseconds across the world. You want that to be instant. So where should that data be located? Maybe it should be quite near to where you're actually making the decisions, right? So that's quite an interesting one. So which is, I think you will see a lot of, of maturity there. And then also I expect there will be market consolidation on the data center itself. I mean, you can see what's happening there. It's going to come at some point. But at this stage, let capacity be built, but at, at the right time, it will then be, concentrated. It'll be, it'll be consolidated. Coming back to Sikum. We're quite excited. Our strategy is kind of anchored at the moment by three pillars. One is, um, uh, I mean, anchored by first, we want to become uh, and continue to be the, uh, the Converge ICT services provider of choice in, in Africa yeah. and really uh, be active player in helping Africa be ready for this digital connected future. Yeah. We want to play that role and we, wanna, we don't want to play that all in South Africa. We want to play that across the continent, but obviously in selective markets where we can we can play appropriately. So part of our strategy is to continue to do that, accelerate that, uh, that vision and mission. And the second part is then to look at how do we do that through acquisitions? Yeah. Where do we have assets in East Africa and West Africa that are similar to what we want to do? And we're going to strategically look at that and then acquire those and bring them into, into SICOM. Obviously, one of the most important skills that we need to have as an organization, I call it the organization muscle, is to be able to integrate those assets into SICOM and create one SICOM across the continent. That's one part of our strategy. We're going to continue to do that and all of that. And we're also going to selectively look at markets 
that we want to be in. So if you look at West Africa, it's quite vast. We don't want to be everywhere in West Africa. Yeah. Uh, I now I come with some experience, good and bad, in West Africa. So which part of West Africa do we want to be in? Yeah. Which are the strategic markets and all of that? And we're going to let, primarily in the enterprise space, we're going to let our customers actually uh, help us get there. So how do we get there in service of our customers? Not just necessarily go there and not uh, be able to excite any value. So we're going to continue to do that. And the other part is accelerating our services organization. We'll do that both in South Africa, uh, East Africa, we've got operations and also in strategic markets uh, across the world. And we're going to do that through partnerships. Um, we don't believe that we also, we've got all the solutions here, but there are people that um, are far advanced in what we want to do. Rather than replicate and trying to be better at what they do is how do we partner with them so that we can complete the piece of puzzle uh, that we have here at Sikom to do that. So that's quite exciting. And, and I think in the future, uh, today, when you look at our operations, you see us in South Africa, most parts of East Africa, but in the future, uh, I think you're going to start seeing that we will be well represented in the West part of uh, of Africa. Yeah. All right. So that's where we end off for today. It has been a really great discussion with uh, Alpheus, uh, just, uh, you know, talking about uh, the evolution of, uh, you know, telecoms infrastructure, um, you know, technology, where are we going with this thing? Uh, but I think the key thing um, from everything that Alpheus was talking about is, um, you know, the evolution, right? How does a company like Seacom keep itself, um, you know, current? How do you make sure that you have the infrastructure and Place, continue to be a leader in that space but you know make use of um, you know make use of it to start providing you know additional services on top of that you know whilst maintaining you know that uh, leading position but also at the same time now getting into in, into new markets particularly around um, managed services um, you know for companies you know that's a, that's an area where he's talking about um, you know he's seeing big opportunity there already in that space um, and also he mentioned the fact that, you know, he sees a lot of action, um, you know, when it comes to the edge and um, they see a big place for themselves there. He mentioned the fact that there doesn't seem to be uh, enough discussion about what's going on there, but it is um, an opportunity that should be worth exploring, um, you know, for a lot of people. Also interesting just to hear uh, the strategy around uh, geography, right? Um based in South Africa, but huge presence in East Africa, um, you know, strate uh, strate uh, strate uh, being strategic about how you then conquer the West, um, you know, the Western side of the continent, not to be everywhere, but to just make sure that you are in the right places, um, you know, so that you can uh, service, um, you know, the businesses in that area. And the fact that, um, you know, a common theme is the fact that they will be looking at opportunities. They've got the funding in place, uh, now looking at opportunities when, you, when it comes to acquisitions uh, to actually grow their capability. So it's been a good one. Thank you so much. Uh, we're with Alpheus, uh, um, who is uh, the group CEO of CECOM. And, uh, you know, looking forward to many more engagements. Uh, who knows what type of discussion we'll be having a year and a half from now, um, you know, when he's been on the job, uh, you know, for 18, 24 months and uh, the progress that CECOM would have made subsequent to that. Alpheus, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to engaging you uh, in the future. Thank you so much.
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.